gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right. We're talking Friday the 13th, part two on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the old Camp Blood site. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of Friday the 13th Part 2 in the hopes that uh, Counselor's Untimely End is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them. And as always, there's only one person I trust to tell it to me straight when I give her a phone call in the middle of the night. She's reaching out to us from the hinterlands of Brooklyn the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How you doing, Gina? I am well. I'm I'm stoked that we managed to make it through one entire movie so far in this uh, in this epic project. That's right. We are moving forward in time and history. We're breaking apart what we knew about all of these people and all of these characters and this place. And who the villain is. We're breaking apart the bonds of death itself. <laughs> Nothing makes sense. It's a nightmare. But not a nightmare on Elm Street. No, no, no. This nightmare is in New Jersey, where all good nightmares happen. <laughs> so let's get right into it. The beginning of Friday the 13th, part two, starts in a small hovel of a town that is so depressing, I assume that Tom Waits would go, mm, I'm going to choose something <laughs> rosier as a subject. But if it's uh, resuming, it's still in somewhere in New Jersey. It's 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 pretty dead on. I mean, clearly, if you're looking at the uh, the area which Camp Crystal Lake supposedly is, is set, that it is actually pretty dead on to some depressing, rundown. Always, uh, you know, the entire town is on the wrong side of the tracks. Town. Yes. It's, it's pretty accurate. It's so dirty. It's kind of crazy, and I don't know if it's just the photography. There's one main light source in this. We start off on a small child straight out of it. It's a little, it's a little bit like a like a, like a Harmony Korean movie where you just, <laughs> oh God. you know, you expect it to pan over and there's you know you know a legless obese woman just sitting on a on a you know, just laying out her porch, just hoofing down a can full of Pringles, uh-huh. and you know a child with Down syndrome is doing some sort of tap dance on the lawn, or it's just it's all very bleak, very surreal, sets that generally unsettling mood that. You know, that something is about to, something very dark and very unpleasant is about to take place. And it certainly does, in the form of two legs. After the uh, small child is called off by his mother. uh, Or or Pennywise. (laughs) Or Pennywise. We're not told where people float or whether or not (laughs) everyone floats there. But uh, two pairs of legs wander into view. Very new-looking boots, uh, not heading off in the exact same direction as the child. This... This pair of legs has a mission. And then we cut to Alice, who we know from Friday the 13th, part one. And why don't we take a little bit of time before we describe Alice's situation, which can only be described as dire. (laughs) Um, What do we have to say about Alice as a person? Pot makes her sleepy. That saves her life in the first movie. (laughs) 
She's open enough to sleeping with Steve Christie, but not dumb enough to do it again. And she's reasonably proactive when confronted with a killer, which makes her one of the exceptions out of the first group <laughs> of counselors. Yeah, she does not. She is probably the only one of the characters that when faced with impending death by as brutal a manner as possible, does not simply crumple to the ground and start to cry, which yes. you know, which seems to be the general reaction of all of the female characters and several of the male characters. Several of the male characters just wander up into a knife. <laughs> They're practically <laughs> co-conspirators in their own death. <laughs> Certainly Steve Christie is. He just walks up and says, what are you doing here? And walks into a knife. She is able to try to hold off her attacker. Uh, she's a very good biter. She gives as good as she gets. Dead on with swinging a machete at someone. She is. And I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that I, if I swung a machete at someone, I might take off an ear. Possibly land it in their shoulder. I don't know if I could take a head clean off. I, I'm dubious of that. Talk about beginner's luck. When you're coming <laughs> at it decapitation style, <laughs> she really takes a wild swing and she nails it. Not to put too fine a point on it. And we get to see almost all of the last reel of Friday the 13th yeah, in Alice's dream sequence. Including a dream within a dream. Very much a, in case you missed the last episode, here's a total recap. Which sort of makes sense in the time that it was released. VHS is nascent. Although this was only released some nine, ten months after the first one. Really? That's how quickly they got it into theaters. They just, they made money and they're like, well, we need to make more money. Let's do this again. And they scrambled to come up with a justification. And the dream sequence that we're treated to within the dream sequence we get to watch is of Jason rising out of the lake, complete with a monster sound that is added to it. It's almost it, fans of Jaws the Revenge might recognize it as some the shark's scream as it comes out of the ocean. But it's when it's being taunted with flash bulbs. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is this is when it's being speared by a Oh right, boat. right, right. Okay, right, right, right. By by a middle aged woman from the northeast. <laughs> who's vacationing in the Bahamas and and banging a, an older guy named Hoagie. who may be running drugs. And it's, that, and it's definitely named Hoagie. Definitely named after a sandwich for reasons that are never explained. <laughs> so, yeah, we get that scream, and then we get the scene of her in the hospital saying, oh, Jason must still be out there because I dreamed it on a lake after I decapitated a crazy woman. So you should believe me. We now are transported to where she lives currently. And this apartment is like the 70s threw up on every wall. Mm -hmm. There's floral patterns. There's plants in front of a window blocking your view. In macrame. It's horrid. There's lots of yellows. Inappropriate yellows. <laughs> Inappropriate yellows. That was actually a, a Pantone color. That was the color of the year for 1977. It's inappropriate <laughs> yellow. I would not put it past them in terms of uh, marketing. And she has cinder block bookshelves, which is just 
the saddest. I think the most puzzling thing about this is that she appears to be living alone, yeah. which I mean, if if you know, less than a year after you know, I was the only survivor of a massacre at a summer camp, and the only way it was stopped was by me chopping off an elderly woman's head. I mean, no one no one could possibly leave me alone for even a second. If you have to go to the bathroom, I'm coming with you. Yeah. If you have to run out and check the mail, I'm coming with you. Because, yeah. But she seems to be living in this shabby, bleak little house all by herself. With the windows open. And with the windows open, Gina. <laughs> and dealing with her, her psychological torment by drawing weird art. One of which looks like someone drawn like David Bowie on the Aladdin Sane cover. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, it is an odd uh, view of herself as uh, rock god David Bowie. Well, listen, we all deal with trauma in different ways. Hers is art that will not get you very far in art school. And talking shit to her mom on the phone. Right, yes. She does not have time for whatever her mom has to talk to her about. Can we talk ever so briefly about what Alice is wearing? Again, very 70s. She's got the, the, the kind of filmy robe on. Windows wide open again. Windows wide open. But before that, she is wearing a green sweater with a green plaid jumper. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. It is the most depressing ensemble I've ever seen. Like, the only person jealous of that outfit is rerun from what's happening. <laughs> This is the only other person. That's the only person on earth I can think of who can carry it off. And she really can't. And that, unfortunately, that Dorothy Hamilcutt has grown out in a very weird way. Everything about this just is depressing as hell. She takes a shower and then she has some sort of spidey sense and pulls the curtain open right as the camera's in her face. Right, yeah, it, it, which is a weird which is a weird shot. It is it's kind of affecting though. I'll give it that because it's it weirds me out when she's practically breaking the fourth wall but she isn't. And it's also the the sequence I remember from both the TV version and the movie version of Terror in the Isles. Yes, 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 yes. They use that to great effect. In terror in the aisles. Well, because it's a whole, it has to do with the whole sequence of horror movies and nudity. The, yeah. the great, the great trend of nudity in horror movies, and how of which Alice is not providing any. Although there'll be plenty of nudity later in the movie, but but yes. Alice is Alice remains clothed in this as she did in the first movie. Yes, and of course she is not required to. Bring me any sort of visual gratification. I'm not requiring it. Um, well, well, but... now you say that, can we can we talk for a moment about the long-standing rumor on why why the actress who played her didn't did not uh, was or I should say was killed off pretty quickly on in the beginning of the movie? It's only my understanding that she was basically stalked yeah. uh, for some time uh, after playing after playing Alice and was going to Alice was originally intended to be the heroine again or at least 
at least not not the heroine then making a little little further into the movie than the first 10 minutes right but decided to they just they decided to cut back her character when one pretty pushy stalker which is it's it's very odd to me now in a in a you know in living in a post internet world to remember that there was a, there was a time when it was possible to make a celebrity's life that difficult for them without benefit of the internet, right? And you, had, you really had to work at it. Back yeah, then. you did. You you had to you know you had to hire sometimes you had to hire a private detective to find their address rather than just you know looking it up on LexisNexis or something like that. Exactly. And, but she wasn't the only one who had this sort of situation because at the same time you you've just had John Lennon killed right. by a crazy fan out in front of his own apartment. Uh, this is around the time that I'm trying to remember her first name, Saldana. Teresa Saldana. Teresa Saldana from Raging Bull, I believe, was mm. her big thing uh, just before the incident, right out here in Los Angeles. Mm. Uh, her stalker right on the her front lawn. Mm-hmm. But it seemed to be the moment where that sort of exploded. And some people, I think, were taken more seriously when a person became physical about it. Whereas if you were just constantly threatening, people sort of played it off like, well, you got into the entertainment business to be noticed. Well, guess what? You're getting noticed. Right. And, and what are they And what are they going to do? Get on a plane and, and fly to Los Angeles and come find you? Well, yeah, probably. Yeah. Possibly. You it's know. A, it's, was happening quite a bit. She does not get very far in this movie. No. She's kind of killed off unceremoniously. And the, But the way it happens, it doesn't really follow... The Jason. Now, I mean, it's no, it's no spoiler at this point to say no. that at this movie it is Jason. Now, yes. it, it's a pre-hockey mask Jason. He has what appears to be just a burlap bag pulled mm-hmm. over his head. Um, but the way that he stalks, approaches Alice, it, it's not in canon, for lack of a better phrase, with with the Jason that we come to know and love. Where is she supposed to be? Do we do we get an idea? Right. Is she of just where this out of town? Place? Is this in Ohio? We don't know where. No, there's no indication as I to mean, where. How did he? We're never he, told. One can assume that he found her in some way. Which, how does a deformed, mentally incapacitated, feral creature wearing a burlap bag? How does he manage to find her, and how did he get to her? Did, yeah, can like, he... what did he pay a, a private eye? Did he get you know Rockford on the fo- you know, <laughs> on the on the job? Somehow he finds her. Not only this, then makes his way to where Alice is by walking, by bike. Does he? Does he also end with the head of his mother in like a backpack? Another, like a a hobo's bindle? He's carrying a severed, shriveled head with him into town to find this person that he knows because, I don't know, hillbilly magic? And the magical set of circumstances in which he is able to surprise her include a tea kettle, throwing a cat inside an open window. He also sneaks in, puts the head inside the refrigerator because otherwise... I don't know, it might spoil, but there's a lot of setup. It's definitely probably, other than then the sheriff you know, who comes a little later, yeah. it's one of the more prolonged 
stalking and killing someone scenes because usually he just appears and yeah. does his thing and then he leaves. Now, can we assume that he snuck in while she was in the shower and popped mom's head in the fridge while that was going we ha- on? We or? have to. We have to assume that. So where in this shabby little house was he hiding? Behind <laughs> and, the macrame plants? And, and, I don't and know. Ha- and how did he get back and how did he get back in without her hearing him because his house looks like it was maybe a couple thousand square feet and you oh, would think that and you would think that my ha- house is 1300 square feet there's no way that that apartment is in the thousands it's a bedroom a hallway a bathroom and a kitchen Maybe some kind of lanai outside where her cat is constantly roaming. But that's it. And and how are her senses not on constant high alert? Well, they are. They get her out of the shower. Right, but someone sneaking in and out of her house, she doesn't doesn't hear. Or see the wet-ass footprints on the ground from his boots that we know he... Moments before, walked through giant rivers of rainwater in. <laughs> and he's soaked to the bone. He didn't drive there in a Fiat and he just kept the top <laughs> down. He traveled via foot or something there through the backwoods. This is insane. You would smell him from a mile away. He would be the most rank individual you would ever come across. He wears a burlap sack on his head (laughs) he's got one eye that works this is not a ninja and he is presented in this circumstance and maybe this circumstance alone is a fucking ninja man because she doesn't see him coming and he just stabs her right in the right temple with an ice pick and, and then very it. carefully makes a point of, of taking the teapot off the stove before he leaves. He's, he's again, out of character, mindful like the, and careful about that. It's like the fucking Pink Panther all of a sudden. <laughs> he's a jewel thief. He's just sneaking in and out of places like he's a member of Ocean's Eleven. I gotta say, when, in rewatching this scene, my primary concern was, oh, God, does he kill the cat? Oh, thank God he doesn't appear. To, if, <laughs> if he did kill the cat... It, it, it would it happened off screen, uh-huh. but that was that 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 tells you something about the kind of person I am. That that I go sit there and kind of impassively watch him jam an ice pick into into you know a young woman's forehead. But oh god, please don't kill the cat. I I can't bear that. <laughs> well, that's not the only animal that's going to be threatened uh, throughout this because we have no, no. the trial of Muffin that's going to go <laughs> on throughout the entire entirety of uh, the entire entirety that's right i'm a writer by trade <laughs> i'm not paid to do almost anything else other than come up with words entire entirety of this movie so poor alice she's dispatched she is no longer she is a dead alice D- died in a shabby little house in a shabby little town like some character out of a stephen king novel <laughs> oh god it's so depressing. <laughs> so sorry, Alice. This this world is too beautiful for you. Alice, we literally hardly knew ye. Yeah, we literally knew her the least. 
out of anyone. <laughs> and uh, now to add insult to that particular injury, we are we now meet every young person in the <laughs> world over the, the course of the next 15 minutes. Some people aren't given names. Some people, their only identifier is how short their shorts are or where they park. Or, they or, just, or in one case, the black guy. Yeah. <laughs> never, does, I don't even know if this poor gentleman ever gets to speak. That's just his... <laughs> he's just like, you are the person of color who will be in this movie. But on the other hand, as opposed to other people of color in horror movies, he makes it to the end, presumably. He makes it to the end, yes. He just, he's not he does, he does not end up like a character on The Walking Dead. <laughs> um, meaning that he gets uh, a lot of uh, a union paycheck for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and then is killed off in the most cheap and stupid reason. And, and unbelievably brutal manner possible, yes. Oh man, we are taking on The Walking Dead. Shots fired, <laughs> Walking Dead. We're coming at you. Two people you've never heard of okay so we're not the only ones who have a beef with walking dead no um it is what it is people like different things so uh we meet a whole bunch of people we see a lot of asses we see guy asses we see girl asses we see unkempt hair that has never seen conditioner we meet yet another trickster character oh we're gonna have to check his his byline here actually the only characters listed as having last names in this mm-hmm. are um Ginny, paul and sandra everybody else just goes by a first name yeah so we can safely assume basically by the the continuation factor let's just assume he's yet another Jewish trickster character. <laughs> Let's just assume. Why not? The The movie assumes everything else for us. Of course, I mean, it's not until part three that we get to everybody's both favorite and least favorite right. Jewish trickster character in this series. And we'll see if it, it continues on. Who's, who's to say? We start running out of camp counselors after this movie. So, um, we meet a whole bunch of people, um, we meet Paul, who's in charge of this camp that's not quite a camp. It's a camp for camp counselors. He has several meetings in which he says, Hey, Jimmy, we worked together for a summer. But there's no point to that. <laughs> it's just kind of like, we've all done this. Being a camp counselor kind of sucks. But you're, I'm training you for some reason? <laughs> I don't get the business model necessarily. No, no, it, it just seems like a, a rough excuse to have a, a, an unreasonably large amount of characters that they couldn't figure out the time what they were going to do with them and then sent about half of them away. Yeah. And, and now let's get to the campfire scene because not only, I think, is it the inspiration for the uh, credit sequence for Red Hot American Summer. <laughs> But um, we're, we're also given the backstory of Jason Voorhees because Paul decides to tell everyone some people said that he drowned, but some people believe that he lived. 
And this is crazy. Now, we talked about this last time, so I don't want to go too far into it. <laughs> but this is not something that people just believe. Some, pe- some people know that he drowned. Some people believe that he lived. And that's just like campfire bullshit. But then the rest of the movie is that campfire bullshit. Right. Then on the odd the odd way that he tells the story is, it sort of feels like he's burying the lead that what he's talking about actually happened at yeah. where at the place where they are. But yet at the same time, he's sort of describing it like, "Hey guys, I saw this movie last year. Let me tell you about the plot because it's really awesome." But he knows that like Camp Crystal Lake is a real place that really exists. It's right. not a fairy tale. This is a, a real joint, and it's right next door. And he's worked out a deal with local law enforcement where he's just going to train camp counselors and then disseminate them off into the world as people who can run. I, that's the only training sequence we see. They run, <laughs> they swim, they wander off into the woods. This is the kind of training that they get. And, and not like first aid or how to make a lanyard or or the the, the 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 proper way to open an industrial sized can of baked beans or I mean the stuff that you really need to know for being a camp counselor exactly exactly how to bury your poop what how, the how best to, place to bury your poop. how to wash urine out of a nine year old's bed sheets. <laughs> See, now, my only camp experiences as both a Boy Scout, before I gained my Eagle Scout, so I never had to go camping again. (laughs) I was the the fourth youngest Eagle Scout in all of California when I earned that particular rank. And the express reason to do it was so I would never have to be a Boy Scout again. (laughs) There's no place to go. Discussion over with. It's been settled. Eagle Scout, let's stop talking about it. I'm never wearing that uniform again. Then, many years later, in order to earn money for a car, I spent eight weeks at a Boy Scout camp alongside of a lake. So I was I, the only um, charges I had were tween males, for the most part. Oh, that must have been delightful. Um, you know, it was okay, and I barely paid attention. I was also... <laughs> tasked with teaching kids how to sail and while i in fact knew how to sail i had no idea how to teach children how to sail and yet that's what i did and i don't think that was safe at all i think i put those children at peril is my guess um but here's the question did did and and relevant to the podcast at hand did any mentally challenged children drown on your watch or while you were making out with some lusty female counselor no uh well there you go then then, then everything's fine that it was as unlikely (laughs) to come across a backwoods mutant killer (laughs) as to encounter a female (laughs) they did not exist they might as well be Spielbergian aliens. Oh come on! They, I, I've seen these kinds of movies. There wasn't there wasn't a rival girls' camp right across the lake. No, no. There, Are you serious? Have all those movies been lying? They're all, in my experience, they are all lies. Whereas Lost in Translation, 
a movie about going to Japan and living at the Hyatt Regency. As far as I can tell, that movie is very, very true. Because I did all of that. I wore that robe. I lived in that corner penthouse for over a year before they moved me to a regular room. Because other people finally came to town. So, yeah. So we've talked enough about my, my let's say, lackluster camp counseling degree. But I had about as much training. As, as these kids had, who are just run through the forest and yelled at by a guy in a wheelchair that they're not running fast enough, which is funny, uh, rude, but funny. And then we meet Crazy Ralph yet again, our old friend and our second returnee from the first movie. Um, Lasting was- about as long as the first one. Yes, there's not. He doesn't hide in as many places. We get to see his incredible posture as he rides a bike again, <laughs> which is ramrod straight. I don't know what the what kind of yoga class or Pilates he's going to, but he has <laughs> insanely good posture. And if crazy Ralph can stand straight, how come I can't, Gina? I, I, how come I'm hunched over like a cartoon vulture half the time? Because you're you're not. Because you have no reason to, I'm actually not sure. I'm trying to come up with another reasonable explanation that would tie in with, with Crazy Ralph's you know hiding, his sneaking around. But I would think actually, really straight posture would be would work against you. You need to be sort of hunched over so you can crawl around in bushes. You can duck under windowsills. I'm, I'm actually not sure. Hide inside pantries, mm-hmm. as he does in the first film, or just and, or just stand outside a tree and right right next to a tree, just peering at a couple making out. Yeah, just to see what's doing, <laughs> uh, and that's that's where we find him, and where unfortunately he finds his end, as he's garroted uh, by Jason like a backwoods James Bond. Um, now, now and, we, I would say that one thing about the uh, the second one, part two, um, is it's probably just before the murder, the death scenes get a little more absurd and a little more gross. Because I'm pretty sure that this one's fairly tame. I mean, he just strangles him, but you would think probably a couple more movies down the line, I'm pretty sure they would have just had the corroding wire just go slice right through his neck and have his head just fall off. True. I, again, I'm a little, in, in rewatching this, I was a little surprised that I think there might have been a teeny little bit of blood, but, but again, in comparison to later movies when it just went off the rails with the gore and, and the kind of, the very silly nature of the, the, the death scenes that I it's surprising that it didn't actually go that extra step of just, you know, having his head come right off. That being said, I think the impact of the murders in this particular film are pretty effective. Oh yeah, they, they, they are. Yeah. And and, and again, it's, it's first one is it's definitely the idea of less being more. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think anybody was really laughing at some of the death scenes in these in either this one or the first one but once you get past like into the third one wait no i'm sorry there is a one the second and second one i laugh at it every time i see it because i'm a <laughs> terrible human being and i can't wait till we get to to that episode but other than that it's not till the third one that you really get to the oh come on kind of 
kind of thing with with some of the with some of the death scenes. I I you know I will give a, a hint as to what I'm talking specifically. Eyeball on a string. That's all I have to say about you know the point where it, it just it gets to be less scary and more campy. Um, but yeah, but but we're kind of getting off track. My question is. Do you think Jason knew who Crazy Ralph was, or do you think he what? just sort of, sort of, you know, saw someone just standing there and and took the opportunity to just kill some rando just for just for the fun of it? Well, I think in a way, Crazy Ralph does prevent, uh, to, does present, excuse me, does present a, a bit of a blockade for Jason because he's going around telling people, "You're doomed. You shouldn't be here." And Jason's like, "You're kind of cock blocking me, dude." But but I but, can't but is take he because my revenge? But is he because they don't listen? I mean, I don't know what his cognitive abilities are because they vary so widely. In the death just before this, he hunted somebody down like he was a member of Charlie's Angels. He just knew where they were through cunning and guile and gumshoe hard work. You know, even though we're, you know, in the rest of the movie, it appears that he's living like the Peacock family from uh, from the X-Files. Yes. So it there's a lot of ups and downs with him in terms of why. Is he in the way long term? Probably not. No one pays attention to him. But in this circumstance... He's always sneaking around, and the last thing Jason needs is someone seeing him sneak around. That's his thing. It's just like he's in the way of of his game. It's a this town ain't big enough for the two of us kind of thing. Right, I guess. right, right. Only one of us can leer at people doing it inside of a cabin, <laughs> and since you know your great posture while biking isn't presenting a whole lot of threat. I'm just going to get rid of you and the town's going to go, oh, where's Crazy Ralph? And then two weeks later, they're going to go, I always knew it was going to happen to Crazy Ralph. So we, are we really missing Crazy Ralph? I mean, is there going to be a... His wife is, according to the first movie. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's true. That, I mean, is there going to be a, a Crazy Ralph memorial service at the local VFW or anything <laughs> like that? Is it gonna? Are there? Are we, is there gonna be a shot in a bar where it's sort of like the Large Marge Memorial, where they have the uh, the candles and the and the picture, you know, in in loving memory, Ralph. He he once watched me have sex with my wife through my window, and I got mad at him, but I also I also respected him because he lived. To watch other people having sex like nobody was watching. He, he lived, he, he died like he lived, curving <laughs> on people. And I'll always remember that and his incredible posture. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to look up to there. <laughs> well, um, so that brings us now once again to our nation's favorite game. Would you rather, Gene Radcliffe, would you rather die via a ice pick into your your temple lobe right behind the the eye or garroted surprise style from behind and have your neck sliced through Oh, uh, definitely uh, ice pick to the temple. It's it's quick, it's clean. I I'm not going to speculate how again a a a 
mentally challenged person who's been living like a feral animal in the woods would know the exact spot to hit or why he would really care about taking her out quickly you would think of all the people that that jason would want to want to inflict a a prolonged torture death upon it'd be the, Mm -hmm. the the person that killed his mother that being said i'm gonna take i'm gonna definitely take the 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 ice pick to the temple okay I can totally see that. Um, now, as part of that, you're going to have to see a decapitated head in your refrigerator. I'm going to be dead soon anyway. That's that's okay. okay. All right. That's the last thing you're going to see, though. Now, now hopefully, whereas, hopefully, hopefully my, whereas Crazy my... Ralph got to see some cute people making out. Uh, but on the other hand, with with uh, with the the with Alice's death, I mean, would I have to? Be found dead in a shabby little house in the middle of a yes. godforsaken town out of gummo. Yeah, absolutely, uh, that is part. That is part and parcel. That's what you're signing up for. You're stamping your name. That's where I want to die. I want to die in that apartment. I want to die near those plants. I want to have a cat who's probably going to eat my face before I'm discovered. Oh, I have a cat in real life. I expect. I fully expect that anyway. So. <laughs> With my so terrible, fully expect it. With my with my terrible artwork laid out for everybody to to find and for the for the everyone will inspect your artwork for the emergency workers. Like, oh Jesus Christ, look at this shit! Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be evaluated uh, in depth by your art. Can I can I take my answer back? No. Oh, no. Fuck. Final answer. <laughs> All uh, right, and fine. that is why I'm going out, <laughs> perving on people, and being strangled from behind a tree. Um, just because I very rarely get to watch other people have sex, and it's exotic for me. <laughs> and it's and somehow that's a, a more dignified death than being found in a, in a house rented well, by Well, he's Mac not Bay. found. He's not really found there. He's dragged off to the pile oh, of true. bodies that we discover later that's on. That's true. That's true. So, so no one really, no one really, no one really I mean, knows. I mean, no one will be surprised to find out that's what, what he was doing, but at least no one found him in that in, in in such an embarrassing situation at the vfw's can't the crystal lake uh their 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 deadpool their found pan, in their a pile of bodies near camp counselors he was perving on probably you, you whoever has that it, he's totally earning that 50 bucks at, at the vfw Full hall show. pancake breakfast yes yes <laughs> He is getting drunk on so much old style that night. It's insane. Okay. This has been fantastic. Thank you once again, Gina, for taking time out of your schedule to decide whether or not you want to die in the world's worst apartment or end up in a pile of bodies. I chose uh, me. I, I chose poorly. <laughs> this time, there's there's so many more to choose from. So... We can't wait for that to happen. Uh, Gina, where can people find you on the internets to, to read your stuff, not really find you? Well, I um, I write about 70s and 80s television. Most recently, I uh, well, probably not most recently by the time you hear this, but um, one of my featured articles was the far more terrifying than the Friday the 13th series episode of Different Strokes involving the Bicycle Man, the Child oh. Molestation episode. Oh, dear heavens. Spine-tingling, horrifying yes. in every way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can read that, plus much, much more at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. Um, that's wonderful. I think everyone should do that because they should 
be looking out for predators um because they're bicycle men they're not coming in to share the bathroom with you dumbass <laughs> exactly. um we're, we're getting political oh shit so uh that's right you can talk to us uh at the kill by kill podcast we have a gmail it's kill by kill pod at gmail.com we have a twitter that's kill by kill pod at kill by kill pod um we have um a tumbler and i don't really know if we're gonna use it or not maybe we will maybe we won't i don't know i'm not really a tumbler guy don't hold it against me <laughs> gina got on snapchat this week and i was, it freaked me out <laughs> freaked me out I'm, I'm not still, getting on Snapchat. Oh, it's fun. Be, be, be I'm sure it, it is. Be a confused old person with me. <laughs> I can, but I can be a confused old person in real life. I don't have to go online to do it. I can just I can just stare at things and wonder why. It's just not necessarily for me. <laughs> yeah. So the question remains: Should I get on Snapchat? The answer is no but maybe you have uh, you know a different opinion anyways reach out to us any way you wish we'd love to hear from you so that wraps it up uh, but don't worry the body count continues uh, so until we return uh, for myself and for Gina bye bye everybody Kill by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.